Welcome back to another episode of the Higher Love with Megan podcast, talking all things holistic health and mind, body, soul, healing and expansion with me, your host, Megan Cooper. Today I'm speaking with Sophia Tremonier. Sophia and I actually met online via a girls network when we were both living in Australia and we bonded over our parallel lives, both studying holistic health and nutrition at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, having been diagnosed with PCOS and been on our individual missions to heal our bodies and fix our hormones. We vibed on periods and all things womanhood. Sophia specializes now as a period and women's coach, supporting women and people who bleed to experience happier, healthier periods and to unlock their power, potential and productivity by aligning their lives in a way that supports their bodies and cycles. She blends integrative nutrition, science, spirituality and energy work to support clients globally from her sunny home in Sydney and has shared her incredible wisdom on the topic as a TEDx speaker. If you followed me for a long time, you'll know that my coaching originated in a similar area around hormones and cycles. And even though I'm focusing on other areas currently within my work, it's an area that I'm still incredibly passionate about and receive messages about all the time, as hormonal dysregulation is so common in women in our society, which is where someone like Sophia comes in. There's a lot of information out there, and I know for me, when I was trying to fix my hormones with PCOS and hormonal symptoms and to restore my cycle, I was quite overwhelmed. Working with a coach who's walked this path and can distill vital information down into digestible chunks whilst helping you to assimilate and integrate changes and shifts into your lifestyle is so helpful and supportive. In this episode, Sophia will be talking about her own experience, plus how she supports clients on this journey too. If it's an area that you would like support on, you might wish to check out her signature 90-day program, Perfect Your Period, starting next month. Here we go, talking all things periods. Enjoy. All right, lovely. Well, it's really great to have you with us discussing all things periods and hormones. I know that this is an incredible episode for anybody who's been experiencing issues with their hormones or just for anyone in general who's wanting to turbocharge their womanhood. So I'm really excited to have you here. So thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) So the first area that I wanted to touch on was our period issues and our problems and our symptoms being this way of the body signaling that hormones are imbalanced. Because I don't know about you, but when I was experiencing, you know, all of these different side effects and symptoms of hormonal imbalance in the midst of my PCOS, I really felt like my body was working against me. And that was definitely a mindset shift that I had to make from feeling like my body was kind of turning in on itself and going against me to actually realizing that it was working for me. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to that, because I know that that's a really common thing that women who are experiencing issues with their hormones do experience. Yeah, that's something I definitely can identify with as well. I I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was 19. I'm now 34. (laughs) So that gives you some context. But I remember at the time, like little was known about it. So I just remember having all of these symptoms. And before I was even diagnosed, I was like, why have I got hair growing in all sorts of places? Why have I put on all this weight? Why am I getting irregular periods? And then when I am, I'm like nearly passing out. So all I could think about was those symptoms. And, you know, when I'm working with new clients, a lot of them do come to me and they're like, you know, this is what's happening. How can I treat the symptoms? And it really, it really has, you know, I have to go back and be like, look, 
the symptoms are a really intelligent way of your body telling you that something's not quite right. And once we have that body literacy, once we can start reading the signs, we can not only heal our hormones of what's happening in the moment, but, you know, in the future, you know, our, our periods aren't always going to be perfect. So in the future, if anything happens or occurs, we can be like, aha, okay, that's what's happening. This is what I can do to help fix it and address the root cause of it. And that's the most important thing, the root cause, because if we think about woman to woman, all of our symptoms show up differently. And so what we need to do is actually look at, look at the root cause to tell us how to address that. Whereas if we just look at the symptoms, well, we'd just be spending so much money and things just will never be resolved, really. Before we go any further, I think it would be really helpful to get you to discuss a little bit about the arc of your journey, because obviously you were diagnosed with PCOS when you were 19. You're now 34. Your body is in a completely different place from where it was with PCOS when you were 19. And I think that often people who are struggling look at an expert in this field and think they've got it all together. I'm never going to get there. But they don't see the first step that you took. They see you at your thousandth step. So if you could just talk a little bit about what life was like for you when you were in the midst of your hormonal dysregulation what were your symptoms how did you feel and how did it bring you to where you are now yeah that's a great question my and the beauty of my story is that it wasn't linear and I think that's really important to highlight as well because everyone probably be like oh okay well tell me what the fix is and we'll get there straight away and it's not a quick solution for me as I said when I was 19 there wasn't much known about polycystic ovarian syndrome so my elder sister at the time she read about these symptoms that I was experiencing and she was like I remember her passing me the magazine article and she's like Sophia, I think you might have this. So I went to the doctor and I was like, look, I'm, I'm 19, still not getting a regular period. I have all of these other symptoms. And some of them were so embarrassing. I just remember having, I said before, I had hair on my top lip. I had boils on my bum. And I just remember saying, I think I've got it. And so they're like, okay, well, we'll do an ultrasound. And so that's how I got diagnosed with it. Now being a coach, I realized at the time that actually was an adequate way to actually diagnose me with PCOS. But, you know, all they said is you're going to have real difficulty getting pregnant, more likely to get cancer, diabetes, and just come back to us when you want to get pregnant. And so at that age, being a teenager, I was just like, okay, well, this is the label. And one thing as well is really important to my story is that since I was a little child, I've always had these labels, you know, I was dyslexic, I wasn't able to speak or walk to a real older age. And one of the things I think, and I think it's from my mum, one of her traits is I've never really accepted these labels. So when I was diagnosed with that, although I'd been told just come back when I was pregnant, I was like, no, I'm going to do research around it. So I was very inquisitive. And it was the days when, you know, there was bloggers and Google and there wasn't much known about it. There wasn't any coaches definitely at the time or anything like that. So I did a bit of research and I was told go on a gluten diet, go really restrictive on your carbs. So I did all that. I lost all the weight. And I was probably getting my period every two months. So I thought, wow, this is the best it's going to be. I was so proud of myself. But at the same time, although I was being really restrictive on what I was eating, I was also on the other end of the spectrum. So I was working as a communication manager in London for a publication house. 
I was living off the three C's. So like canapé, champagne, like chips and having about four hours of sleep every single day. And although I had this very glamorous job, I still couldn't help but come home every night and Google digital nomad jobs. I was just like, I'm just not happy. And this is the key piece, actually, which I'll come back to why. But so I decided to go traveling around Central and South America. And I went from having a period every two months to not having one at all. So in nine months, I had no period and I wasn't pregnant, but it just completely disappeared. And I thought, well, that's strange because, you know, this is going to be the time of my life. I have so much freedom. But what I realized is that actually I was really tired from partying all the time. So if you're a backpacker, you probably would have entered to fight this, this, just drinking. (laughs) So I decided to go to this tiny village in Ecuador. Um, I volunteered working in the cafe there and it's attached to a yoga studio. And I didn't really have done yoga that much before, a bit for running, but that was it. So it was upon my first yoga class that I got my period back and I was like, well like if this is not a sign about the mind-body connection I don't know what and during that time so the few months that I was there there was all these inspiring women coming through so other nutritionists there was like feminist poets like Yana Robinson coming through and they had such profound impact on me that when I arrived in Australia so I'm from the UK originally but I'm now living in Australia I was like that's it I'm gonna completely retrain I'm becoming an integrative nutritionist so I did all of that and I managed to get my cycle back for every 30 days it was really healthy I lost the weight again I had less blow I felt amazing and so that was the journey on the way though I have had ups and downs since then and one of those is that I came back to England and one of my friends really upset me and I had a really great awareness of where I am in my cycle because ever since then I was doing cycle syncing and I lost my period for a whole three months and I realized it's not just food that's on our plate it's actually the nervous system such an integral part of it and I realized I had to let go of a lot of how my friend had upset me and what that triggered within me from childhood wounds and so since then that has been a key part of my work that I've been doing is the energetic and the nervous system because I realized that when I lack self-love or when a friend or, you know, say a lover or someone, you know, at work says something, that can trigger a lot for us. And so that was really profound as well. And I think that's a key part as well, because a lot of women, you know, they've been to nutritionists, but perhaps they haven't really looked at what's really going on. And, I, you know, I mentioned before, I was really unhappy in London. And the key piece is because I was out of alignment. So that is a key piece to our hormones is making sure that we know our values and we know when we are in alignment. Mm, I love that. So it's this guidance that's always bringing us back into our highest. And I love what you're saying there in terms of our cycle is so sensitive. You know, even if we're just slightly out with our diet or our sleep or our exercise, or, you know, like you said, in terms of being upset by a friend, our hormones in our body and our cycle are so sensitive. And if we think about that in the context of our modern lives, which are incredibly complicated for the average person, you know, we're, we're always being stimulated. There's so much always to do, places to be, you know, people to see, etc. There's so much being demanded of us that 
it's hardly surprising that the average woman actually experiences quite a lot of problems with their hormones, which I guess brings me on to what is the difference between common and normal? Another great question. A lot of the time we are told by healthcare professionals that our symptoms are common, but that's because we're not given the foundational knowledge of actually what should be happening for our hormones what is a healthy sign of what should be happening with our hormones so we shouldn't really be getting well, we shouldn't be getting any pain maybe a slight twinge but we shouldn't be getting any pain in our period it shouldn't be made to feel healthy so a lot of women ask me what can I do what can I use if I've got heavy periods well if you've got heavy periods well that's a sign that something's not quite right Um, So it goes back to what we were saying about that body literacy. We shouldn't be really getting, we know you may experience a tiny bit of bloating, but we shouldn't really be getting it where it's making us feel uncomfortable or we're, we're losing days where we can't go to work or we can't go out with our friends. Even the anxiety and the PMS, PMS is not like normal. That's a sign that our progesterone and our estrogen are out of ratio of each other as well. And even our blood sugars. So again, that's another clue. Our energy levels are shifting. Okay, so that that is something that is common. However, the degree to which they are shifting, that is something else. If we are feeling so tired that we are unable to get out of bed then that's a sign perhaps we're not aligning with our different phases of our menstrual cycle so our menstrual cycle should be between 26 and 32 days and within those we have four different phases I like to call them the inner seasons it's just a really great for a way for us to remember it as well and I even use it with my partner as well um and so it opens the conversation up so you know again one of the key things with hormones is that conversation piece when we're talking to our friends and our partners and getting them to understand where we are and show their support but yeah so with these four phases there are different things one of the key things is our energy does shift we go more from this like yin into this yang the feminine the masculine energy and we may even find how we're feeling as I said so if you're feeling anxiety that's a sign of something's out of whack you know however we may be feeling more introverted or more critical of ourselves but the more we can understand the more that we can actually put these support systems in place I I call it like a self-care systems in place because self-care is really what what's happening here to support us whether it's nutrition or whether it's the way we talk to ourselves or it's the type of movement we're doing as well and when I say movement I think that's a really important word instead of saying exercise movement is is amazing because again that changes our relationship with why we're doing a particular movement or exercise Mm. Yeah, awesome. And I love what you said, and I'll just have this as like a, as a little tangent. I love what you said there of communicating your needs to your partner, to your friends, being able to get the people closest to you in your life to actually understand what you need at different times, why you feel different, why your energy is different. And honestly, educating men around this is one of my favorite things to do in the arena of hormones. So I think it's, it's well worth diving into this stuff and then communicating it to your friends, partners family just as a little nugget just as a little tangent there yeah yeah it's 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 amazing isn't it what we write off 
as normal, just because it's common, just because most women experience issues within the area of hormones. It doesn't mean that we should be writing this off to be like, oh, it's fine because it happens to everybody else. It's a real invitation for us to, whether we suffer with missed periods, uncomfortable periods, no periods, you know, or any of the other symptoms as well. It's a real invitation for us to look at the root cause. So can we just talk a little bit about the root causes? What does cause all these hormonal issues? So during our menstrual cycle, as I said, it is typically between 26 and 32 days on a healthy one. Okay, so what is happening is our hormones are fluctuating. Day one is when you're bleeding, so your menstruation phase. This is when your hormones are at its lowest. And then we go into the follicular phase. So this is when the leading lady um, hormone, so estrogen, starts rising. Often estrogen gets a bad rap, but it actually is a really useful hormone. And what we want to be doing is making sure that we're building up the estrogen, but also metabolizing it because that is when we see, see a lot of hormone imbalances happening around that inner spring, inner summertime is because the excess estrogen isn't being metabolized. And so that can show up in like, you know, middle pain, um, you know, um, ovulation phase, and then also bloating as well. Some women experience at this time as well. And these are all symptoms that the estrogen is a bit too high. Then we go into ovulation phase. What is happening here is that the estrogen's at its peak and the egg is released. If, for example, isn't enough of our estrogen what can happen um in some diagnosis like polycystic variant syndrome is the body is trying to ovulate but it doesn't quite get to the right levels of hormones so it attempts to ovulate but it actually doesn't so there may be several attempts to ovulate during the cycle and that's why with polycystic variant syndrome it is so long the cycle and, you know, after ovulation, we then go into the luteal phase, which is tends to be the longest um, phase. And that's where we see the progesterone hormone increases. So the progesterone helps to prepare for pregnancy. Um, you know, it helps with um, making sure that if the egg is fertilized, then it will embed into the lining. So it helps with the thickness of it. Um, and at the same time, we also see that estrogen rise for the second time as well. I mentioned earlier on, the ratio between progesterone and estrogen is really important. If there is an imbalance, that's when we can see a lot of symptoms come up. And that is why that follicular phase can be the most, can be the most uncomfortable for women and the most daunting as well. Um, because of all of these hormones that are going on. Um, and then afterwards, we go back into the menstruation phase when we start bleeding again. Mm. So what you're saying here is that, you know, the cycle is a cycle, which to me was a completely different paradigm from when I, you know, when I started understanding my hormones and my cycle before that, I just kind of thought there was like an on and off switch, you know, either I was on my period or off my period. I didn't really conceive of the fact that every single day, the body and the hormones are doing something different, which again goes back to the fact that this is a really, really delicate cycle for women. You know, we are different every single day. That's really normal. And, and our society is kind of just not catered for you being a different person every single day. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, what does specifically pull that cycle out of whack in regards to diet, to stress, you know, what are the things that we are doing within our 
crazy modern day lives that are pulling us out of whack with our hormones? Yeah, there's a few things. So first of all, when I was referring to the inner seasons, um, and that's exactly what can cause us to be out of whack is when we're not listening and honoring those seasons. So I say the inner winter is your menstruation phase and it's exactly how you would imagine winter to be on the exterior. So, you know, we are going to have less energy. We kind of want to be more introverted. So if you, if you keep pushing and pushing, that's when, you know, painful periods can show up because we're pushing against what our body is naturally asking for. Um, and, you know, if we think about, I know before this call, you were saying about, we're talking about, cause we're in completely different season. You're like, I'm getting ready to, you know, curl up inside. And that's the same with our cycle. And some of the times clients before they come to me, they, they said that the most challenging thing is because we're so multifaceted, they didn't accept that. So they thought, why am I like this a few days ago? And this time I'm like so confident. And then the next week I'm just wanting to bite everyone's head off. And so <laughs> even that reckon, not recognizing that can be really daunting. And so we and not having that understanding to honor being like, okay, well, where am I at? And mm. what is my energy telling me to do? And so, for example, if you're in your inner winter, your menstruation phase, and you're still doing all the hit, that's going to be feeling really, really, it's going to feel really draining on you. Whereas if you're doing that in your ovulation phase, your nervous system and your hormones can take it a lot more, actually. It's going to be mm. a lot more robust. Um, so that is makes a huge difference. And even in nutrition as well, like, I've had women who have a really hard relationship where they're like, I don't want to eat any carbs at all. As women, we need to have carbs. And it's so important for us to ovulate as well, that we have a certain degree of fat on us. I think we grew up in the, remember the times where it'd be like fat free yogurt. And, you know, and now we know that it's just pumped full of sugar and not good for you at all. Some clients have even had a fear of avocados. They're like, oh my goodness, that's just full of fat that's more nutritionally dense than having a can of Coke and it's going to be much supportive. And as I was saying with the phases, there's times when your appetite is going to increase. So there's a difference between cravings and your appetite increasing. So just before your period, you are likely to see your appetite increasing. However, if you've got cravings where you just want to start binging and feel really uncontrolled and Again, assessing what your relationship with food, are you taking it because of pleasure or to and to you know, fuel your body? Or is it because you're like, you've got to eat something now? And that's when you can really tell the difference of what's happening with your, with your hormones. But naturally, you will want to increase the appetite because your energy levels are decreasing. And you're more that yin energy. Again, think about what happens in autumn and winter. You want to go naturally for stews, um, warming foods. And that's exactly the same with our seasons. We wouldn't expect any different in the exterior seasons. You know, we wouldn't expect us to be going out, you know, sporting our, the most sexiest lingerie, being like, hello, everyone, you know, really got high libido in our winter. So it's exactly the same. We just need to honor that and acknowledge that. And I, I always say that our cycle is a learning curve. So you're never going to get it right. But what it teaches us is more about ourselves on every cycle. And it's so fascinating because the amount that I've uncovered with my own cycle and learning about myself and learning what triggers me and learning how I can communicate that to others has been mind blowing. And I really feel like that has set a precedent of 
how I honor myself. I'm a leader in my own life. Mm, I love that. And we are different at different times of our cycle, you know, especially in regards to movement. We do generally want to move in different ways, to eat in different ways. And when we're still trying to go against our body, when our body's naturally really wanting to go inward, where we might need more rest, where we might need more sleep, and we're trying to hammer our bodies, that is really powerful in dysregulating us, isn't it? Because if we think about doing that, you know, really wearing out the body, wearing out the energy, wearing out the hormones every single month over and over and over, expecting ourselves to be the same woman, then it does cause a lot of dysregulation, doesn't it? And as we're fixing our hormones, as we're bringing ourselves back into regulation, it actually gives us permission to do things differently, to do things differently in our diet, within our lifestyle, within our movement, and within our lives in general. You know, when we go really deep into cycle awareness, we can start matching our workload, matching our uh, our social output, you know, being really sociable when we're ovulating, because that's the time that we feel really alive and vibrant. And then actually or during our inner winter, being like, no, I actually am going to take a couple of days out for myself. And that's not available to everybody. But just doing that 1% more of okay, instead of going out tonight, I am going to take myself back home and have a really cozy night and just give myself a little bit of time just to ground, just to land in with myself. And then also understanding that that pre-menstrual phase, the luteal phase, doesn't need to be this thing that we get really, really afraid of because we are a bit more grumpy or we are, you know, more discerning. And I know that discerning is the word used in wild power, isn't it? And I do encourage everybody to read to read that book. It was the first book that I read on on period awareness. And I was just like, oh, my God, mind blown. Um, But we are more discerning during that phase. And that's why we are very much kind of like no bullshit, because we are kind of like a walking, talking lie detector. We don't like bullshit. We do have less, you know, outward energy for other people. We do want to be becoming more inward. But that's also a phase that can be really great you know we get to explore this more unyielding wild side of us which when we get on board with that you know we can really understand ourselves you know as women that it's an incredible gift to get to be a different version of ourselves throughout the month and again like that's just you know it's a way that we can kind of really turbocharge our womanhood and our femininity in us isn't it and that gets to be exciting so exciting and I often laughed as well because you'll often either find me in lycra or in the most flowy dresses ever like I'm, I'm literally yin and yang myself but I'm like yeah I'm gonna go for it because I'm not just one person and it's almost this permission slip for us to allow us to do that and really harness what each phase brings and just allowing it and that's the thing you know we often think that our period our menstrual cycle is a negative thing but actually we have a super strength in each of these phases it's just re re-looking and redefining what that phase means so you know in a winter yeah your superpower may not be that you're as productive in terms of physical output what society deems productivity to be but studies have shown that our right hand side of our brain so our feminine side of our brain is more open so we are much more intuitive and now corporations are recognizing the need to have that intuition and so a lot of companies are now looking at having that skill and so wow if we're a woman and we have that skill that's something we have over men and that's an amazing thing to tap into so 
that is your productivity that is your superpower in that phase can you talk a little bit about the nervous system I know this came up earlier talking about the nervous system and the impact of stress and feeling dysregulated you know mentally and emotionally and how that affects our affects our hormones because you know in our day-to-day modern lives in the year 2022 you know stress is endemic in our society and it's also a complete vibe killer when it comes to our hormones so if you could talk about the nervous system and stress then I think that would be really helpful for people listening yeah so there's a few things that, ha- well, there's actually a lot that happens when we are stressed as well. So stress doesn't have to be, um, you know, a physical thing. So it could be something like, you know, you could get your, you could injure yourself. So that's, that's a stress, but it could also be a stress where, for example, Megan, you said to me, um, I don't like what you're wearing right now. And I'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> and so that can be stress as well, an emotional stress. Okay. So when that happens is that our cortisol level rises. So that's our stress hormone. Okay. And back in the day, so during our ancestors time, that was really useful because, you know, think they used to be going out and trying to get food and fighting with other tribes and things like that. So they needed that. However, once our cortisol rises, what that actually creates is that it creates androgens to be released and glucose to be released, which if I had something to fight in front of me, absolutely, as I said, really beneficial. However, because that, that nowadays is happening constantly so we get an angry email from our boss you know not having much sleep we're in this hustle mode all the time and we are told that that is a medal and that's what we need to do however like I know Megan um your story is very similar that was that was led to our like burnout essentially our, our realization that our health was so so important so what happens is if we're constantly switching this this switch on essentially so switching the switch on we're going to go for that is that over time because we're not using this this extra glucose turns into fat and so that can cause for example you know we know it can cause diabetes it can cause hormone issues such as polycystic ovarian syndrome it causes a whole host of health issues you know heart attacks the way that stress is the output is is the same with hormones there's so many different things and so that's where you know and women say all the time but perhaps they just don't get that connection when we're stressed our skin breaks out we have missing periods and the reason that you know these things happen as well is because when our body is releasing this cortisol it tells it the only thing you need to do is fight what's in front of you. So we can switch off your digestive system. We can switch off your endocrine system. We can switch off every other thing in there, digestive system as well, because we know people can get bloated or they can basically have the shits. <laughs> and so that is what's happening. So when we're having missing periods, our body thinks you don't need to have a period. So we're going to shut that off. And so the way that the hormone our stress and how that relates to hormones shows up in the body does differ from women to women. However, it does cause habit from our hormones. And as I said, the frequency that is happening is crazy. And I think there was a study that said that 49% women struggle with, with stress. Mm. So that's half of us going around full of stress and and this is what something I've really important as well I say to my clients you know you can do yoga as a buffer so if you're already stressed however if you're not getting down to the root cause of what's causing that stress in the first place that is the most important thing mm. so 
decreasing our stress, as I said, a lot of the time, it is work issues, it is, you know, relationships, it's finances, I think that's one of the top ones actually for women. However, it's also making sure that we're looking at how we're mastering our mindset and our perception of things. And I think you've read this book actually before, you know, Michael Singer, um, you know, Tethered Soul, amazing, like, so many bits in there that really changed my mindset when I read it years ago about how I was responding to things. So a lot, I've, I've had, and I've had quite a few clients who, you know, they start going on about work and being like, and, you know, and this person said this and I'm so annoyed. And so I'm like, yeah, but think about it from their perception and consider it. Are they, are, why are they doing that behavior? And the more that we can start to question why someone's doing it, the more that we realize it's not about us and their behavior is not towards us. It's to do with them or perhaps it's something to do with their culture or their upbringing. And so the more that we're going to be actually more in our nervous system. Um, and so when we're looking at our self-care and our movement practices as well, as long as it's not a buffer, as long as we're not masking that stress, as long as we're using it to com- com- you know, keep regulating our nervous system, that's going to help us. But it's looking at why are we doing these nervous system re- regulation? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because... Yeah, with with stress, the fact that when we are in this perpetual fight or flight, our body has the intelligence to say, right, we're escaping from danger right now. We don't need the reproductive system. Shut that down. We don't need this aspect of the body. Shut that bit down. It's incredibly intelligent, isn't it? Because the body is always trying to keep itself alive in the best state possible. So it's actually when we're trying to work with our hormones, giving our body the gift of slowing down, looking at the way that we are responding to things, looking at our emotional stress, you know, this stuff is all going to help us to get back online with our hormones. And another aspect that I know is massively dysregulating and, you know, something that we do experience within within our modern lives now is lots of sugar and lots of, you know, destabilizing things for the gut. Can you just talk a little bit to that in terms of kind of the big do's and don'ts when it comes to diet? So I was really lucky, actually, when I was growing up, my mum was ahead of the game. So we weren't really allowed much sugar growing up. She used to bake with half the sugar that it said in there. She wouldn't allow us any fizzy drinks because, well, I, I think it's because she was like, she's half Greek Cypriot. And so everything she had was cooked from scratch. So I was really lucky that ever since I was a child, I knew, you know, we'd have just fruit and vegetables. And that was key. However, you know, there's so many great products out there. And some are being marketed as you know, really nutritious. And so we take that front of the label and we're like, well, you know, it says low sugar, you know, it says it's, you know, organic and we take that on. However, if we flip it across, it's so scary about how unregulated and how the government still allows these products to be on shelves that are packed full of sugar. And so we just need to strip it right back. And I always say whole foods, you know, whole foods are the most great way to start it doesn't have to be expensive if anything I think buying all these packages packaged foods is more expensive because the cost of cooking your own like minestrone soup or your own like coconut curry is much less by scratch particularly if you've got a family than buying all these individual you know packages that are in plastic as well which is an endo disrupting toxin as well so 
There's so many things. And so what I would say is if you know reading labels is really important. So in my program, I go through making sure you're confident at reading labels. And I always say, mm. if you don't know what the word in, it's probably not like what the word is probably not good for you. <laughs> That's a rule I have. If I can't pronounce stuff on the packaging, I generally think it probably shouldn't be in my body. <laughs> I know, and it's not like, oh, how do you know eggplant aubergine? Like that kind of thing. It's actually like all these, like got the THs in there and like all these emulsifiers and even natural flavorings. We think that's good for you. But again, that's so unregulated. That could mean anything. So strip it right back. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to have any sweet stuff. It's again, just reconnecting with food and like getting back and start cooking. Cause I love cooking personally because I feel like I'm I'm completely with my hands when I'm cooking. I like to have that connection, but it helps us to understand where is it coming from and know what's in there. Like, again, with sugar, we, we probably don't need as much as we're having. I don't say, hey, trip it right back and have nothing at all, because that would actually lead us feeling really, you know, having restrictive diet but it's just being aware and being always tuning in being like how do I want to feel afterwards and when you you start asking that question you'll start making the right choices um, Mm. to help fuel your body essentially so as I said whole foods healthy fats we spoke about so avocados nuts um you know dark chocolate is even good during your period so you don't again you don't have to have nothing at all but going Mm. for these really great foods that have less ingredients in it is going to be a really great start and then you can start adding more things in and making sure you're eating regularly as well instead of skipping breakfast it's really important to have you know start the day strong have something to eat even if you're not hungry have like a smoothie that's got like fats fibers proteins in it to help balance your blood sugars and having a good lunch and dinner and then even having some like a snack in between like you know apple with like some nut butter or um peanut butter cups I make myself as well like things like that are really going to be great and again start being like I'm really enjoying this and rather than Mm. thinking I'm eating just as a chore Mm, yeah 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 absolutely because with blood sugar as well you know as women and like we've spoken about how sensitive the cycle is and the way that I think about it is that you know we try and kind of stabilize our hormones as much as possible on the cycle which is changing every day anyway we're trying to create some kind of ease for the endocrine system but when we're having things you know when we're eating irregularly when the body doesn't know you know how to process these things that are made in a lab when we're eating, you know, highly, highly sugary things, the body's going kind of all over the place. The insulin levels are like up and down and forwards and back. And, you know, how can a hormone cycle operate easily and optimally when the body's already doing so much to filter out toxins, to stabilize blood sugar, to cleanse the liver, to stabilize the gut? You know, can you talk a little bit to that just about understanding that as a whole experience? Yeah, it's almost the kind of yeah, it's almost the same concept of what we're talking about, stress actually. So it gives us that, our body that false lull. So what it does is it spikes our glucose levels, but because it's been really high, the only way is up is down rather than when we're having whole foods that releases glucose slowly. So your complex carbs, for example, that releases energy slowly. So it's not going to have that spike and then the crash down, which is 
you know for example a lot of people experience when they've eaten a whole packet of chocolate and then all they want to do is lay on the sofa afterwards so opting for food that you know is going to be consistently giving your energy rather than that high and again asking that question about how do you want to feel afterwards will allow you to reflect Mm. okay well is this food going to help me and will it help me that feeling afterwards as well um that kind of goes back to what we're saying about the body literacy actually the more that we can tune into our body the more that we're gonna help guide it um Mm. and get to know it a bit more as well and with that as well often we we go for sugary stuff as you know a substitute for a real food well it's much better to have an actual sit down and have a big meal than just grabbing something on the go that's you know probably very processed and a lot worse for your body to digest and cause mm-hmm. havoc for your hormones so yeah if, if, if you're not making the right food choices then that that's an opportunity for you to be like okay well I want to have a new relationship with my food and perhaps it's it's allowing you to eat more mindful and reconnect and slow down even whilst eating or your life in general Mm, amazing so we've discussed lots of different aspects of things that impact your cycle and I just want to lean into a little bit about you know somebody listening to this being like oh well this just seems like a lot of stuff maybe I should just take the hormonal contraception that that has been advised that I take and talk a little bit about this because I know that me and you are similar in that when we were both diagnosed with PCOS we were experiencing a whole range of symptoms there was a lot that needed to be worked on in terms of you know how we were living our lives and the only thing that I was presented with and I, I believe that you were presented with was take the pill because it will regulate everything for you I wasn't getting periods when I had PCOS I didn't get a period for a year similar to what you were talking about at the beginning of this podcast and I was just told to take the hormonal contraceptive the hormonal contraceptive pill which I'd been on for 10 years before I was diagnosed with PCOS that I'd consciously come off because I decided that I didn't want hormones in my body anymore and that was the only option that was presented to me and when it was advised that I took it, um, there was something inside my body that was really firstly desperate to have a period. So I did actually end up taking taking the, the pill for a couple of months. But there was also something in me that was like, I really this just isn't the way for me. And it was really like visceral within my body that I felt like everything that was being put upon me of increased chances of diabetes, increased chances of ovarian cancer, infertility, you might not be able to get pregnant. All these things really felt like I just didn't feel like that was my story. And that was a real fire for me with treating myself naturally and getting curious, like you said, understanding what was wrong with my hormones, understanding what I needed to do. It was this real fire for me. But it is easier, isn't it? You know, when you're presented with a, just take this pill and all will be fine. Can we talk a little bit to that and what that actually does? And, you know, using the pill as a band-aid, because we talked about root causes and all these things that are actually, you know, humming away, even when we, even when we do take a pill to mask the symptoms. Can we talk a bit to that and why that is a band-aid as opposed to the root cause? Yeah, So with the hormonal birth control, it contains synthetic hormones. So what happens is it shuts down ovulation. So it does contain estrogen and progestin. So progestin is different from our natural hormone progesterone. And I think it's crazy that they could be called similar things because they do completely opposite things. So as I said, progesterone shuts down ovulation, whereas our natural hormone progesterone helps to promote 
promote pregnancy. So what happens is it shuts down ovulation. And then, so a lot of women think that the period they're getting is a real period. However, it's just the drop in hormones. So essentially you're not having any sort of period. So if you have been, and I'm not trying to scare women, but if you've been on it for 10 years, you've essentially not had a period for 10 years. It also has other effects. So it does increase, you know, studies have shown it does increase certain types of cancer. It really depletes our gut and it loads our liver as well because of the toxins. And so what it does as well, it just masks our symptoms. So, and a lot of women actually, I know they, they take other medication as well because it creates a whole host of other issues as well. So because it's masking it, we're never really addressing what's really going on. So when you do decide to come off hormonal or if you decide to come off hormonal birth control, it can take up to a year for the hormones to come come out of our body and it can cause a condition called post-pill PCOS so that isn't officially um, a type of PCOS however it is recognized as the second most common type of one and that just means that um, it causes us not being able to ovulate and I said it can take up to a year it causes a lot of gut issues so it thins the lining of the gut so that could cause like bloating skin issues um, and as I said, with the liver, that's such an important role in detoxifying. So again, that can cause havoc hormones as well. And it's symptoms like jaw acne and things like that. So it's really important to make an educated decision. And I really think it's important that when doctors are giving you the prescription of the hormonal birth control, that they actually tell you what is actually happening and to disclaim and be like, actually, this is all the studies on hormonal birth control. There are some risks and also it is it does shut off ovulation. So it's not a period which women aren't given. And I truly believe that doctors don't actually really know that it shuts down ovulation i've spoken to multiple gps and they still believe that that is giving us a period and that is the fix the other issue as well is there has been bad journalism as well there's been a few articles being released by for example the guardian um and some documentaries and even they they're saying the wrong thing they are saying progestin and progesterone are the same they're not they have two different roles so really speak to a healthcare professional or multiple ones before making a decision and don't be pushed into it. When I was put on the hormonal birth control again, um, I would just remember having little choice. And I remember even my mum at the time, because she didn't know anything about it. She was like, that's the only way you need to do it or else you're not going to get a period. So, but in my, I knew intuitively that that wasn't the right decision. And it took a lot for me to even be like, no, I know what I'm doing and feel comfortable with that because even your friends and family may show you concerns but there is a way to heal your hormones and we go I talk about the eight pillars so there's different pillars in women's wellness it's important to look at such as you know gut the liver the nervous system movement and looking at all of these things and making sure it's integratable and making sure that you have that awareness of what your body is telling you because once you are really like when you start working, integrating all of these practices and all of these amazing 
uh, like habits, that's when you start to address all of the symptoms and the root cause of it. And, you know, as I said, like all of my clients, they come off hormonal birth control. And what I do with them is make sure that we work on their gut, blood sugars and liver two months before coming off. And all of them have had a period within 30 days of coming off the hormonal birth control. And I think that's amazing seeing that it can take up to a year. So it does work. And even you, Megan, and I are living proof that you can put your symptoms back into remission as well. Mm, mm, Yeah, awesome. And it's, you know, it is hard with the pill, isn't it? Because we don't want to turn it into like pill slamming because the pill has done incredible things for women's rights over the last over the last century. But it's just really important to understand that it's not this quick fix. A lot of women, especially in, in when we were teenagers, as soon as someone got acne, they were put on the pill. As soon as there were issues with, the, with their cycle, they got put on the pill. You know, painful periods, they got put on the pill. And it's really understanding that, you know, these things are signposts to deeper things going on. And any medication is going to just be masking the symptoms of that, but not actually getting to the root cause. So if we do have the opportunity and privilege of being able to, to get to the root cause, you know, really encouraging women to do that. And it will be helpful now to talk about the mindset that is actually needed to radically shift things within our health. Because I get a lot of women coming to me saying, what's the one thing that I can do to help my hormones or perfect my cycle or whatever? And the reality is, is that, you know, as you've said, there are so many different things. And when I was balancing my hormones and really consciously managing my PCOS, really, I was so intent on getting my period back. It was almost like holy grail. Everything that I did within my lifestyle, within my diet, within my sleep, within my movement, it was conducive to me getting my period back if it was something that took me out of alignment with that I didn't do it and if it was something that did then I went hell for leather on it because that was just the mindset that I got into that was my key priority right now within my life is getting my period back perfecting my hormones managing my cycle and there's the reality is is there's not just one thing you know involved you've mentioned lots of different pillars there And the mindset that I think is really helpful is that there's not just one thing, you know, the mindset is that there are so many different aspects. So for you, what would you say is the mindset needed to make big changes with your hormones? It's the persistency. Um, you know, we, we think sometimes it's an overnight fix. It's, it's not, it's a journey. As I described in my own journey, it took me a long time and there's new different routes that I discovered. Um, a lot of the time my clients put pressure on themselves so they're like oh okay well I'm coming off the hormonal birth control so or you know I've, I've just started this protocol so you know I'm gonna get my period or I'm, all these symptoms are gonna go away well it takes time for our body to heal but as long as we keep showing up then it's allowing our body that journey and enjoying the journey along the way rather than just looking at the result. When, when, for example, some of my clients have, you know, actually all of them, they're like, when am I going to get my period after I've come off my pill? It's, we need to feel safe within our body. When we don't feel safe, when we put this pressure, of course, we're going to get a period. And so as soon as my clients release that pressure on themselves and just told themselves that they're safe and that everything is meant how it's meant to be, 
they've got their period. It's it's like magic, but it makes sense because that's all our body needs. It needs to feel grounded. It needs to feel safe and it needs to be fed through nourishment, whether it's movement or food. I think that's a really important thing to take away. Mm. And it's interesting, you know, hearing your experience of the timing that you got your period back. It's really similar to the timing that I got my period back because I had a few months where I was doing my I was doing my regional work in Australia, but I was living on an island off the coast of Australia and the work itself was not enjoyable and the living situation was not enjoyable. But I did have time away from the rest of my life. Um, And then I went to Bali for a few weeks and I was really able to just land back in. And it's just this process of like slowing down, taking the pressure off because, you know, the similarities in our journeys of when we got our periods back, there was this feeling safe. There was this feeling grounded. And even if we're able to just slow down 1%, because for, you know, for people who do have very demanding jobs or a very demanding family life, the idea of slowing down can actually be quite challenging but it's just this really gradual coming back into alignment with our cycle to understand you know our cycle as a cycle to do what we can in little baby steps and to not use it as another way to just slam ourselves or shame ourselves or make ourselves feel like we're not doing enough like we're not being enough but understanding you know that we are on this cycle and we can do so much to support that can you talk a little bit now about, um, you know, about your program, about um, Perfect Your Period and the method that you use in terms of connection, clarity, confidence? I love those. If you could just talk about the ways that you support women um, on this journey. Yeah. So it, it kind of relating to what you just said, actually. So one of the key questions I often have from women, because I have all type of women joining me, they're you know, women in their 20s or women who are, you know, they've got kids. And so a lot of them are lacking the time. So one of the key questions is like, well, how much time do I need to give to this? Because I really haven't got time. The beautiful part of this program is it's not meant to take time. Yes, there's clear lessons to take away, but the homework is integration. And once we start integrating these habits become what I call rituals and routines. So you'll start doing it on a unconscious level and making decisions for how you can nourish your body on an unconscious level because they will just become like clockwork and you'll be strengthening your intuition as well knowing more about your body and how it works knowing more about how your hormones and your periods work and what it's telling you so the program lasts for 90 days and the reason being is because that's how long it takes for the egg to develop so that's why you won't see results within you know a month or two it does take 90 days and that's where the patience and the journey really is important so we go through the eight pillars of women's well-being and the thing is every woman is different so we make sure that it applies for you so this key signature my key signature is you know connection tuning into your body understanding what it's telling you how it is you know what that looks like for you and then we've got clarity. So understanding the roadmap and, as I said, integrating it. So it means something to you. So I think you briefly were saying, you know, an example about exercising. Well, I know that we both exercise. So some women need to have complete day off on their period. Whereas for me, I feel really lethargic if I don't. So I take smaller movements. So that's the same thing. There's going to be different women 
but it's how you integrate it and apply it to you that is really going to be the supportive part, which I'll be supporting you with. And then we've got confidence. Uh, so confidence to continue it past the 90 days, because again, this is not just a, okay, I've done this. Now my hormones are going to be great. It's going to be actually embodying it and making sure that it feels that pleasure. So you can continue it, but also confidence within yourself. And one of the biggest things that I recognize is, how much hormones affects women's confidence. And so that's why I do what I do, because ultimately that's my biggest goal is to make women feel more confident within their own skin. Yeah, I love that. Maybe you could speak now to what is on the other side of making these changes. You know, how have you changed as a woman understanding your cycle, understanding your hormones. Because for me, when I think back to who I was before I went on this journey, being diagnosed with PCOS and everything that I've learned about womanhood, about my body, about my hormones, it's literally chalk and cheese. And, you know, for me, it makes me really grateful that I've had the opportunity to go on this journey. And I imagine that you feel the same. So for people out there, for women out there who are feeling really disheartened by what they have been experiencing so far, and then maybe now feeling, feeling inspired through this conversation, can you just express what is on the other side when we do make these changes? It's I unbelie- like literally unbelievable. Like I don't think I'd even be in Australia living the life I am um, if it if it hadn't been for my hormones. Um, at the time when I was living in England, I was working in a very dis- dissatisfied job. As if it hadn't been for my hormones, I wouldn't have realised actually why I was so dissatisfied and what my purpose is. And even now as well, I'm I'm now in a relationship and. If I hadn't, um, I mean, healing my hormones took me on this whole journey of getting to know myself deeper and, you know, even communication skills. And I definitely would not be able to hold the relationship that I have now if I hadn't gone on this whole personal development journey myself. So that's been amazing. Um, And I think it's, it's just that permission slip to be who I am. I, I didn't really understand myself. You know, I, I knew I had like this gypsy bohemian soul and I, I liked water, but I literally couldn't put that into words. And so again, I was, I was living in the city in England and I couldn't figure out why. So it led me on a path of getting to know myself and feeling and just loving myself when I healed my hormones I discovered how little self-love I had um you know for myself and there was a lot of childhood wounds I had to really address I was bullied a lot as a child and even in my 20s by friends and I really had to learn how to give myself love so that other people could as well and so as I said that brought up a lot and I'm glad it did because there was a lot of unresolved stuff and a lot of trauma that I had in my body that I hadn't addressed and it was still lingering. Mm, Yeah yeah I feel exactly the same going on this hormone journey it really is a coming back to self isn't it and we're shifting the way that we are in the world we're shifting our way of being as opposed to you know there are aspects of changing the things that we're doing but we're shifting ourselves on such a subtle but huge level in the way that we're showing up within ourselves within our relationships within our work within the world in general that we do have this incredible 
growth trajectory when we come to understand our hormones and you know it's just the biggest invitation to come back to self so you know I love what you shared there amazing thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and you know obviously your course perfect your period is starting within the next couple of weeks so if anybody listening has felt like this is a great thing for you to be doing for your cycle if you have been struggling with your hormones then all of your information sphere will be in the show notes so everyone can get in contact with you and I think that it's such a powerful thing to do isn't it because I know that so much of this information can feel like a lot you know when we are in a state of knowing that we need that something needs to change thinking about the number of things that we need to change can feel like a lot I know that it did feel like a lot to me and it can feel especially when we're reading blogs and looking at Instagram posts, it can, there's a lot of noise out there and actually having somebody that can guide you who's been in your shoes. Oh, what a relief to just have a lot of that noise just distilled out and to have a roadmap and be supported within that space and be held as well within a group space and knowing that you're actually not the only person going through these things, that there are other women out there who are experiencing the difficulty and just being able to heal within that group space is, yeah, really, really incredible opportunity for anybody that's going through this stuff. So all of your information will be in the show notes for anybody who's Beautiful. keen. Beautiful, thank you. Wonderful, thanks my love. And I'll have to get you back on to talk about fertility and all the other aspects of womanhood. So yeah, I can't wait to have you on next yes. time. Beautiful. <laughs> Amazing, thank you. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode and that it served you well. You'll find Sophia's information within the show notes as well as a link for her course, Perfect Your Period. If you're enjoying the Higher Love with Megan podcast, I'd love for you to take a moment to rate or review and share so that more people can find it and we get to share the love. Until next time, big love.